When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car, they made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. And Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years. Yeah, it's a very good afternoon, everyone. An early sports day with Peter Vlahos today and tomorrow because we've got the two big T20 World Cup semi-finals. And in a matter of a few seconds, we'll speak to a man that's right across it, part of the Fox Cricket coverage in uh, our friend, formerly of Midland Guildford, a uh, great West Australian and Australian uh, cricketer, and now a great host of Fox Cricket in Brendan Julian. He'll join us in a sec. Uh, for those people that want to catch the run home with Paul Hazelby and Damian Martin, Hayes and Martin will be live actually straight after my program at 2 o'clock this afternoon. And tomorrow they'll be broadcasting from the Wembley Hotel at 2 o'clock. So head down there to the Wembley on Thursday for the run home with Hayes and Mardo. Let's look at the first of two big semifinals. They are significant when you look at the four nations that are taking part. It's quite ironic that Australia is not one of them. Gets underway at 4 o'clock Perth time this afternoon. Match 43 of the 45-game T20 tournament. And it's New Zealand taking on Pakistan. With many expected not to be there. But what the Netherlands did to South Africa changed the dynamics. And now the Pakistanis are in the final four. Brendan Julian, thanks for joining us. G'day, Pete. How are you, mate? Very well. I appreciate your time. Gee, it was drama-filled. And we must also congratulate Ryan Campbell. Uh, His final game in charge of the Netherlands. And look what he did. He turned the T20 World Cup on its head. Yeah, wasn't it great? Yeah, I'm so happy for Cambo. I know he's gone through that uh, that terrible time and he's in hospital um, only about six or seven months ago uh, over in London. But great to see him back and sort of playing a little bit of a role as well. I saw Dan Christian yesterday. I know he's been involved with them uh, as well. But it's a funny thing, isn't it, this uh, T20 World Cup? A lot of people have asked me, um, you know, it's always the main nations that are, that are the big teams that stand out. But so many of the smaller nations, you only need two or three performances in the T20 game, put a little bit of pressure on, and all of a sudden they can turn around. So, look, one good thing about this, even though the Aussies aren't in the final, I think it's taken it to the world stage, and a lot of people now can go, okay, this is the real world game. We've seen crowds go to games when Australia hasn't played, and that's been fantastic. So, all in all, you know, it's a great opportunity for smaller nations to get out there and uh, promote the game of cricket. I agree. I reckon in some ways it's a blessing in disguise that maybe Australia's not there because it's afforded the luxury of... Pakistan to go, and there'll be a huge amount of fans tonight. Don't worry about that at the SCG against New Zealand. And as we know, tomorrow night, India against England should be an absolute beauty. But we'll get back to that second semi final in a moment. Can I just get your impression? Because Michael Clark's come out, others have come out. 
giving their spin on Australia. Australia won three games in the end, so they did very well, but it was the net run rate that cost them uh, when it came to the final equation and that belting they got against New Zealand. But what I was really disappointed with, BJ, only 18,000 went to the Adelaide Oval to see Australia take off Afghanistan. Do you reckon the Australians overall with the general public maybe could be a little on the nose? Yeah, look, I, look, I, I don't know if it's on the nose, but I reckon there's a disconnect. I, I think um, a lot of people in the public sort of ask me and and sort of say that that they don't really know the players or they don't sort of can um, connect with them and those type of things. And I think that's true. I, I think coming out of South Africa, when I mean, JL was um, you know the coach, I think they started to rebuild that that reputation. Uh, but I think you know it's certainly in the last year. It hasn't been good, the PR side of it, the, the way they got rid of Justin Lang. And I don't think it's just the players. I, I think Cricket Australia have been poor. And I think they've been poor in promoting this game as well. I mean, we've seen Australia all of a sudden, prior to this World Cup, they played three games in India, and then they went to Queensland to play some warm-up games, then they went to Perth to play a warm-up game, then it went um, to Canberra, and that's before the game had even started. And I think even when I, I did the warm-up games against the West Indies in uh, where was it? Gold Coast and Brisbane, mate. They had three thousand people at the Gold Coast. They had about eight thousand people, I think, at uh, in Brisbane, which was so small. You know, so small for for two good teams that were playing full strength teams. But it's a difficult one, uh, Pete, because a lot of people go, well, hang on, I'm going to pay full tote money, and I'm not even going to see sometimes the best players in the world playing for Australia. Often, some of them are getting rested, but. Yeah, obviously that that game in Adelaide was disappointing, 18,000 people. Um, You'd expect a lot more in Adelaide. But look, I I think the real test will be the summer. I mean, I'm I'm not really expecting a massive sellout crowd at the Wacker for the first test against the West Indies over there in Perth or or, or Adelaide as well. So I think people are going, you know what? Um, You know, I'd rather spend my money somewhere else. I'd rather watch it on TV. Maybe I'll save it up for the South Africa series. There's so much cricket on. You can only expect people to pay so much money for the whole summer, mate. You know, it's a bit like a, you know, when, when West Coast play or Fremantle play in Perth, then, you know, members go, okay, well, I know what I'm paying. I know what I'm going to get. The game's going to be on. It's not going to get washed out. It's not going to be bad light. There seems to be so many reasons for cricket not to play sometimes. And I think people get really frustrated by it. And I think, you know what? They just go, you know, it's losing me. And I can't connect with the players. Players are talking about fatigue. They're talking about um, too many games. They're talking about scheduling. They're talking about um, the carbon footprint. They're talking about well, climate change. So I think people <laughs> just have a gutful. Yeah. You know, I, I really do. I reckon they have a gutful and go, you know what? Mate, I'll save it for something else. I'll spend my money somewhere else or I'll go down and watch club cricket. Um, you know, those. I love the crowds when I saw... You talk about Midland Guildford. I watched the the WBBL on TV and, you know, I, I saw the games at Midland Guildford down there at Lilac Hill. I mean, maybe... You know, those type of games, getting it back to the country areas are what's needed. But there's definitely a disconnect. Yeah, it would have brought back some memories for you, BJ, watching uh, Lilac Hill on the banks of the Swan River. I tell you what, there's no place like it. Uh, saying that, I agree wholeheartedly with everything you've said regarding where the Australian cricket uh, team sits at this point in time. Speaking about Australians, former Australian opening bat, uh, him and Justin Langer formed a formidable partnership at the top of the Australian batting order. We're talking about Matthew Hayden. Now, I'm just wondering how mm. pivotal... I know we got some audio of him addressing the Pakistan players and the opportunity that's presented themselves later today to take on New Zealand in a semi-final when they didn't expect it. Uh, what role do you reckon Haydos will have in relation to maybe this game later today? 
Well, I think, I think what Hados has done... Um, I mean, Pakistan are a very good side, mate. I mean, that, they should have beaten India in the opening game. I think, I think for sometimes for Pakistan, they just lack that bit of experience and they, and they lack that, you know, those, that big game pressure. But I think they're starting to get better at that. And I think Matthew Hayden... I don't think he'll be too technical with them. I think he'll just um, give them a sense of calmness. I think he, he brings a, a certain amount of um, um, order uh, to their discipline. That, you know, and he'll he talk in a very basic way. Not, not all the Pakistan players are great English, so he's not going to sit there and bamboozle them with tactics and things like that. I think they respect him as a player. I think he, he, he does a lot of work in Pakistan in the last World Cup. He goes to Pakistan and does uh, um, T20 cricket over there. So... I think he, you know, I think a lot of them will look up to him as a as an outstanding cricketer, and I think he will bring that sort of confidence and try and bring those younger players through and get them to play more freely. I think that's what he'll bring to it. Mm. Let's have a look at the New Zealanders. Uh, very good all-round team, and they keep knocking on the door when it comes to big finals in cricket in any form of cricket. They are there. How do you think they'll go against Pakistan later today? Well, look, I, I think New Zealand are a very good side, as you said. They're very disciplined. They do all the small things well. Um, they, you know, they, they hold their catches. They do their run, out, run outs. You know, they're very good like that. I mean, they will have to be aggressive at the top of the order. They can't afford to not be aggressive. They play really well at the Sydney cricket ground. Finn Allen and Conway at the top of the order. If he gets them off to a great start, that'll put pressure on Pakistan. Williamson coming in at three has got him. Is coming to some pretty good form as well. They're solid in the middle order with Mitchell and Neesham. You know, they're, they're guys that can they can go hard. And then the bowling of Saudi and Trent Bolt has been outstanding. So they've got a lot of experience and they've got a lot of disciplined players that can stick to the game plan. But for me personally, I think Pakistan have more X-factor players. I think I think they're the type of team, mate, that can all of a sudden win the toss, bat first, and all of a sudden, anything can happen. Rizwan and Barber at the top of the order. I don't reckon I've seen the best of them. They've been ordinary in the power play, but... Mohamed Harris and Masood and uh, Ahmed, you know, that's your three, four and five, mate. They're explosive players. They're players that can come out and get it done. And then you've got the, the great bowling lineup of uh, Pakistan as well. You know, Shaheen Shah, Freddie, the left arm, Harris, Rolf. You know, they've got quick bowlers that can knock over a team. So I think, to me, in my mind, um, they're the type of team that, that have got the X factor. But if they're under pressure, they drop catches, they don't run between the wickets well then they could lose the game quite easily. No doubt about it. But they have the ability, mate, to, to pull something out of the bag. And, I, and, you know, player for player, I'd go for Pakistan. But, mm. you know, you make a mistake and New Zealand will be all over you. I mean, the team um, batting first won five hours out of the six games at the SCG. So whoever gets their noses in front early on in the game will probably go on and win the game. But for my mind, I just think Pakistan have more X-factor players. And finally, before I let you go, BJ, because you've got a very busy couple of days coming up, but tomorrow it's India against England. Some are saying the winner of that match could possibly be the winner of the tournament. Yeah. Do you see it that way? Yeah, yeah, look, I don't know about that. I mean, you know, mate, big games are different. You just need one or two players to do well, and all of a sudden um, that can turn a game really quickly. Look, India will go on its favourites. There's no doubt about that. It's Kohli's favourite ground outside of India, mate. He's scored 500 today and different formats. He loves coming in at three. He will be the key for India, but the batting is really solid, isn't it? I mean, uh, uh, you know, Pandey, I think, uh, is outstanding, you know, in the middle order. But my favourite player could be Yadav. Um, mm. he, he is really good. He'll come in at three or four for India. He hasn't had a great tournament yet, but I reckon he could really sort of shoot the lights out. And Kaoru, 
I mean, he's due for something special as well. But England have great bowling. I mean, Mark Wood, Sam Curran are, are really good as well. Um, so it, it's going to be it's going to be the team that sort of, as I say, a bit like the, the one against New Zealand. Whoever gets a nose is in front. But India's batting is solid, mate. They're, they're, they're very, very good. Their bowling is is good. Um, Kumar up against probably the top order of Josh Butler will be a really, really big test. The Butler and Moen Ali get away to a good start, and Alex Hales can can turn it on. All of a sudden, there. You'll 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 turn it around and you'll see that um, England can get it done. But I would I would back India to be the favourite. I'm backing India Pakistan final. Wow, that'll be huge! I tell you what, there'll be uh, a full house. They'll be hanging from the rafters. Don't worry about that if that's the final. BJ, <laughs> thanks for joining it. Doing a great job at Fox Cricket, mate. Look forward to your coverage uh, later this afternoon, Perth time. Thanks for your time here on the program. Pleasure, mate. Good on you. Uh, Brendan Julian joining us. Norman Cowell has been on the uh, temperate bedshed text line. Pete, I think the last slap in the face to the Aussie cricket fans was not allowing a crowd into the Australia versus India practice match that was here at Optus Stadium. All right, we're going to take a break. On the other side of the break, we're talking Socceroos, and we'll get uh, to Know You segment is coming up as well. We're going to talk uh, around the round ball game about an individual who's been so instrumental in the development of uh, the game, the world game here in Western Australia. That's coming up next here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car. They made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. And Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, great to have your company uh, here on Sports Day. The early Sports Day with Peter Vlahos here on SENWA throughout Western Australia. Of course, 4 o'clock today, we've got the first of the T20 World Cup semi-finals, New Zealand and Pakistan. After the program at 2 o'clock, an early start for Hazen Mardo and the run home. Well, earning a place in Australia's soccer team, because soccer is now going to be all the rage for the next month and a bit with uh, the biggest event on the planet, and it's significantly the biggest event, even greater the Olympics, on our doorstep with the Soccer World Cup in Qatar. But as I said, earning a place in Australia's soccer team as a West Australian-based player was no easy task in the 1970s, with the state not having any national identity. So the effort of this individual to go on and captain the Australian team on the international stage was a meritorious achievement. Now, he was the first soccer inductee to the WA Hall of Champions as has another and has many other firsts to his credit as well, including being the only player from WA to captain the national side, leading them twice in 1978 during a tour of Australia by Greece. Let's get to know Gary Marocchi. Gary, thanks for joining getting us. Getting to know you. Okay, good afternoon, Peter. Getting to know all about Yeah, I was just waiting for Julie Andrews to come in. She's just come in now. Uh, <laughs> uh, the segment, Getting to Know You. Gary, before we look at the, the Gary Morocchi journey to a certain degree, and we could speak to you for hours because your journey is so, so long, um, your thoughts on the Socceroos squad that was announced uh, yesterday by Graham Arnold? Yeah, some very surprising uh, moves and some bolters in the team, Peter, but... Uh, Obviously, Graham Arnold would have his uh, reasons for it, but very surprising with the goalkeeper selection because um, I would have thought Mitch Langurak, who's playing very well in Asia at the moment, a lot of clean sheets, and he made himself available. And then all of a sudden, at the last minute, um, he was uh, left out. And Graham Arnold has said he didn't make the decision. The goalkeeper coach made the decision. And I'm thinking... 
Geez, I would have thought um, Graham Arnold would have been the one, you know, fronting the media, making mm. that decision. But very strange. But feel very disappointed that, um, you know, he did not get selected. And uh, I think Mitch Langerak is certainly won't play again for Australia. Yeah, interesting. Uh, and Gary Morocchi, of course, is our Aussie interview of the month. Uh, thanks to uh, Australia no, right now. It's important to buy Australian right now. The logo, uh, look for the logo, by the way. Be sure it's Aussie. Now, Gary, let's talk about Gary Morocchi. Uh, you had no choice but to play football or soccer as we know it. You grew up in a, a family full of boys. I know your mum and dad, your late mum and dad, just loved uh, the game. And I believe your dad played in the very, very first Azuri team, which was the Italian heritage team uh, back in the 1940s. Tell us about those early years when you were growing up uh, in inner city well, Perth. that was certainly the case, Pete, and the family. We lived opposite Hyde Park, which was only about a kilometre from Doring Gardens. And in the early years, uh, you know, if everyone realises the Northbridge area was a lot of Europeans, uh, there was a lot of Greeks, there was a lot of Yugoslavs. And after school, we'd always go and play at Hyde Park. Uh, and what did we play? We didn't play the uh, oval ball. We played the round ball soccer game. Mm. We used to get kicked off quite regularly by the um, the ranger because in those days you, you weren't supposed to be playing in Hyde Park. But uh, we always used to find uh, after school, find half an hour to have a kick around with our mates. And uh, it used to be quite a large uh, gathering of players. And that's where we first uh, got started. But being the youngest of four brothers who all played, um, I certainly got tagged along. so And I got tagged along at a very early age. So, yeah. obviously, that was to my benefit. Of course, your brothers, Bruno, Eric, uh, Leo, and yourself. Uh, what was it like in the Meraki household? Was it just soccer, soccer, soccer all the time? Well, that was quite a madhouse, Peter, and it certainly was. And it's interesting that, you know, we all follow European football and we all follow Italian teams and, interesting that uh, this three four, out of the four brothers we'll have uh, support of three different teams and uh, so that brings a fair bit of rivalry you know I was I'm a Juventus supporter and we've been uh, pretty fortunate over the last 10 years to have won nine in a row obviously a very poor season last year not doing that well this year so my brothers uh, who are the AC Milan supporters and Inter Milan supporters have certainly been giving it to me the last day <laughs> Gary, of course, uh, children always look up to their parents and their parents provide the guidance. And uh, I knew your mother well. Didn't uh, get to know your father that well, but I know he was very passionate ab- about the sport. Uh, what about your parents and the driving force behind the four brothers? Well, I think uh, my father was a very quiet person. He was an introvert, but um, he just what he, he said what he had to say and uh, he certainly wanted his children to be playing the round ball. And... But mum was very hands-on. She used to run the canteen at the juniors and uh, she was very active on match days. And, you know, she became president of the WA Italian Club, the ladies committee as well. And so she was very, uh, how could I say, volunteer orientated. And, uh, and, you know, she was very happy to be at, you know, our games, running the canteen. She was here, there and everywhere. And, uh, you know, fix the shorts. She even actually made shorts uh, for players uh, 
in the early days and uh you know if you had to put the numbers on the shirts you know in the old days it wasn't uh iron on like they have today mm. um she'd do all that and um you know she'd fix any uh damaged gear and all that and so you know the family was you know we were close to drawing gardens and it made life a lot easier but uh my mother was very happy to be involved Gary, uh, we're getting to know Gary Marocchi here on SENWA, now getting to know segment on this Wednesday. Of course, naturally you played at the Sky Blues, Perth, Missouri. You went through the juniors uh, and, of course, you became one of the star players of your generation there at Perth, Missouri. Uh, as I said, we probably need to take a couple of shortcuts because we could talk for hours. How did the invitation come for you to go to Adelaide and play in the old National Soccer League, which was a heck of a competition during that, uh, when it was informed in the late 1970s? Yeah, I'll make it quite quick, Pete. I had, I got selected to play for the Socceroos and went on a world tour after the, the Russian home games. And at that time, there was obviously players from interstate and the NSL was starting in 77. And uh, two of the guys from Adelaide uh, tapped me on the shoulder and uh, said that Adelaide City was very interested. And they had a Polish coach in Edmund Kreft uh, on the return from the tour, I actually stopped by in Adelaide and uh, signed the deal to play uh, uh, for Adelaide City. Uh, came back to Perth and then a couple of weeks later, uh, went back to Adelaide. So it happened very quickly, but it, it obviously came about by obviously Adelaide City looking for reinforcements to their squad uh, with the new NSL starting. And they wanted to get one. You know, there was a couple that came from interstate, but majority of them were homegrown players in Adelaide. That's it was fantastic to go there, and I have many close friends and associates in South Australia. As I said in the intro, earning a place in Australia's soccer team as a West Australian-based player was no easy task during the 1970s. So you must have been a heck of a player, Gary. And I gather when you played at Adelaide City, uh, it was a fantastic competition. Tell us about those days and you know how much success you had with Adelaide. Well, we had some very uh, well-known players. Um, you know, Johnny Perrin was a um, legend of South Australian football. Uh, Zoran Matic played uh, in the first year. He became one of the best coaches in the A-League. Uh, the Niskowitz brothers, Roger Romanovich, was the national team goalkeeper for a while as well. Now, we had some uh, electrifying players, but uh, there was, you know, for the Scots people out there, um, I was pretty fortunate that I was able to play 12 months uh and feed the ball to Dixie Deans up front. Uh, you know, mm. for for a guy that's five foot eight, to score as many goals as he did with his head uh, speaks volumes for the quality of the player. Um, and, and he used to practice and practice and practice. And to all the young fellas out there, uh, they need to take a leaf out of book of some of these old pros. You don't get to where you are without putting in uh, tons of effort. And Dixie, I know the, he came on a Saturday and we were playing Sunday at Olympic Sports Field. And we had a light training session. He was still out there half an hour, and I, I got tired trying to uh, <laughs> give him crosses so he could actually uh, practice heading the ball into the net. But uh, that's what the sort of guy, the guy he was. I mean, he was a very revered player at Glasgow Celtic, and I know that he'd be over the moon now that you know um, Angie Postacoglu has got them back on top of the ladder. Gary, you're an attacking midfielder. You represent the country with distinction, including. A memorable World Cup qualifying game against Iran of in front of a hundred thousand strong local crowd in Tehran in nineteen seventy seven. The team lost one nil, but it must have been a heck of an experience. It certainly was, Peter, and it was 
uh, frightening as well. You know, I can imagine if we had have won the game, uh, what would have, you know possibly could have happened because Iran had to win to qualify. And um, I know as we came out at half time, the score was nil. We got pelted with uh, pomegranates. There was a moat uh, around the ground that obviously uh, there was a bit of distance, but. Uh, yeah, it was a very, how can I say, fearsome crowd. Uh, but that's to be expected. Uh, they, you know, you go and play in South America uh, like the Australians did when they played Uruguay. You know, they're knocking on your hotel uh, doors and windows and trying to keep you up all night. And they'll do anything to win the game because that's how important playing in a World Cup is to these nations. And But it was a fantastic experience. I've never played under you know, a crowd of 100,000 people in the stadium, but you just couldn't hear anything, Peter. It was electrifying. Yeah. As I mentioned in the intro, your first soccer inductee to the WA <coughs> Hall of Champions, which is quite an achievement. Uh, many of other firsts to your credit, including being the only player from WA to captain the national team. Uh, you led the uh, Australian team, the Socceroos, twice in 1978 during a tour uh, of Australia by Greece. What was it like wearing the captain's armband for your national team? Look, first, Peter, I better correct you. I think uh, Trent Sainsbury, who's an Armadale boy, uh, who unfortunately missed out for the World Cup, has actually captained the team uh, in the absence That's of That's right, he has uh, too. Ryan, yes, right? he has in so, recent times, correct. Um, and very disappointing that he missed out. And that must have been a very tough... I'd love to be around the dinner table when uh, the Arnolds are having... Because he's married to Graham yeah, Arnold. He's uh, a son-in-law. Daughter, so it'd be... It's going to be an interesting Christmas uh, banquet <laughs> this year. But, uh, um, but uh, back to, sorry, what was the yeah? Sorry, just so what was it like captaining your nation, wearing the captain's oh, armband for Australia? Uh, and it even made it even better uh, being against Greece because I've got quite a few uh, Greek friends. You know, in Adelaide, we our close uh, neighbours were West Adelaide Hullers, and we come back here to Perth, and who's our Opposition number one, opposition for Athena. So I've got many Greek friends, and uh, you know the the banter is very good between everyone. And but to to go out there and you know have the armband on that, Peter, that's an achievement, and I'll never forget that. Mm. Gary, before we let you go, of course you came back as a player. You're a highly credentialed coach. Uh, you took uh, Perth Italia to the league championship uh, in 91, 92, 93. Also claimed the champion's crown when the Perth Kangaroos uh, competed in the Singapore Premier League, which is a forerunner, of course, to the A-League for the Perth Glory in 1994. When you look back over your, your coaching stint, you were the inaugural coach of the Perth Glory. Your thoughts on uh, your coaching with the Kangaroos, with Perth Italia, and, of course, with the Glory? Peter, it was a very, uh, how can I say, successful period, but uh, it was very difficult because I always had a full-time job and I'm a professional uh, structural engineer, and uh, which is quite a demanding uh, job. So, you know, maybe uh, come back another 25 years ago, um, maybe a full-time coach, may, uh, things may have been different, but it's very stressful when you're trying to combine the two, especially when you're in a position, you know, have a have a job of uh, seniority that um, you need to be uh, on the ball all the time because you're making some very uh, big decisions on structures and that. Uh, but it was, you know, I'd never want to change uh, what I've done, uh, and I urge uh, all youngsters out there to strive for their goals. And but to get there, you've got to really work hard, and that's something that. Uh, you know, I try to uh, implement with uh, a lot of young kids that ask for advice, and uh, 
but it's really up to them and parents got to realise that you know, even though you put in the hard yards, sometimes you don't get to the um, the level that you want to get to and you know, you've got to be able to accept uh, it's time to move on and mm. you know, like I said, when I, I finished with the glory, I decided to just take a complete break and then just step down a level. I didn't want to keep going at that level because it's very uh, stressful yeah. and uh, there's, there's only two types of coaches ones that are getting appointed and the ones that are getting sacked. So uh, uh, you don't have a, you know, there's not very many Alex Ferguson's around in this world, but uh, it is, uh, you know, it is an achievement to have been able to do what I have done, but uh, certainly I would have liked to have had more time to make, uh, you know, uh, other decisions that would have been probably in the best interests of of my coaching career, but uh, I had a job and I had to feed the family as well. Yeah, good on you, Gary. Thanks for joining us. Our Aussie interview of the month. Thanks for joining us, mate. And we'll keep in contact. We've got the A League season coming up. Look forward to working you with you not on that a, coverage as well. Not a problem. Good on you, mate. Thank you very much, Pete. And thanks to the listeners for having uh, having me on. Thank you. Thank there you. you go. The getting to know you segment, Gary Morocchi. Of course, all thanks uh, to. Buying Australian, uh, look for the logo. Be sure it's Aussie. It's important to buy Australian right now. Look for the logo and be sure it's Aussie. Yeah, it's great to have your company on the early edition of Sports Day. Back again at 1 o'clock tomorrow. Coming up at 2, the run home with Hayes and Mardo. Now, my Wednesday wine, uh, I've been listening to a lot of SEN in Melbourne. I can't believe the dialogue about this AFLW semi-final this weekend that's playing played at Punt Road. Oh, boy. Everybody is having a voice on it. Okay. The ground holds around about 2,000 people. It's a 140 start. That's been criticised as it clashes with the soccer match between the Matildas and the world number two Sweden across the road at Amy Park. That'll draw a huge crowd. Let's be relative here. Let's be relative. In the end, 2,000 faithful will go and the rest, if they want to watch it, will watch it on TV. Talk about swapping venues and doing this and doing that and the start time and everyone saying that the AFLW administration has failed the competition Let's get real. I think sometimes we over-exaggerate in some ways the level of this competition and what it should command at this point in time. Let's have a good semi-final. It'll be a good atmosphere at Punt Road. 2,000 is exactly roughly the attendances that we've been getting for the most part. And let's make sure it's a great uh, semi-final because a lot of people in the AFL, when it comes to semi-finals and finals, can't get into venues either because they are sellouts. That's my Wednesday wine. Imagine the best DM breaker, the world's best rock breakers. Of course, distributors of the world's best rock breakers are dmbreaker.com.au. We'll take a break and then we'll come back and find out what's happening at Venues West, venues around Western Australia. I have a once-a-month chat with Peter Bocop, the Chief Operating Officer of Venues West. He's up next. Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car, they made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. And Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years. Welcome back to Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. Of course, once a month, I enjoy this, we check in 
with the Chief Operating Officer of Venues West. His name's Peter Bokop, and he tells us what's happening at Optus Stadium, RAC Arena, and all their other venues as well across the metropolitan area. So it gives you a bit of a guide of what's transpiring, how you can get your tickets, and, of course, uh, the variety that is on offer at all these venues. And Peter Bokop now joins us for his segment in November. Hello, Pete. How are you? G'day, Pete. Doing really well, thanks, mate. And we certainly enjoy the opportunity to come and tell you all about the wonderful things that go on across Perth and Western Australia. Yeah, and we are certainly excited because we operate out of Optus Stadium. That's where the SENWA studios are. And we've got Test Cricket on the way towards the end of this month. We certainly do. And look, after probably what could be considered the disappointment of T20, it um, be great to see Australia back in the winner's circle um, playing the Windies. And I think the Windies have got something to prove as well, Pete. They haven't, haven't been shining their best light lately, but the 30th of November through to the 4th of December, the two teams go out into battle. So it's the first time we've had Test Cricket at Optus since 2019. Mm-hmm. It's the first time that the Windies have played in Perth since 2009 and obviously the first time at Optus for them. So quite a historic Test match, mate. Yeah, no, looking forward to it. Let's hope uh, it is a competitive one. Of course, Optus Stadium also in the last couple of years because of COVID has been devoid of big bash action, but that returns uh, later in December. It does. And look, I have to say, as well as being the best AFL stadium, it's also, I think, the best stadium to watch cricket in the world. So we're blessed with, I think it's seven big bash matches um, starting on the 17th of December with the score just playing the Sydney Sixers. The other one I'm going to flag is um, Boxing Day. I know Melbourne's got their tradition, but the Scorchers are playing the Adelaide Strikers on the 26th of December. And wouldn't it be great on a Perth hot summer's day to fill that stadium and watch the Scorchers Mm. just blow them away? What time will that be uh, getting underway Pete, have you got that close at hand? I gather it'll be after the oh, test match, which will finish at I three. I think it's a day-nighter, but I'm going to have to get back and confirm okay. that one with you, Pete. No dramas. Let's look at RAC Arena. The Perth Wildcats, of course, that's their home base, and they've got more games coming up uh, during uh, November and December. Of course, you can get your tickets from Ticket Tech. Yeah, no, I think the Wildcats, I'm hoping, have turned a corner, Pete. I, um, well, I they beat the, the Adelaide 36ers Australian. last weekend, which was good after five straight losses. Yeah, yeah. Look, I do note the West Australian reported the Wildcats in a bit of a crisis because they only got under 10,000 people at their event. And the interesting thing, I actually visited the um, the NBL in Melbourne last week and they still say the Wildcats are the benchmark for entertainment, for crowds. So I feel that they're going to get back up over 10,000 and we've got those two events in November, the 17th and the 24th, and also the 12th and 16th of December. If they come home with those, I think we'll see them back in the top four and competing really strongly in the finals. I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to. It's just before New Year and into the early days of 2023 is we're likely to see some world-class tennis back at RAC Arena. We were sport with the Hopman Cup. We had the ATP tournament before COVID hit. What's uh, in the making for this tennis tournament that looks to start on the 29th of December? This is quite a hell of a tournament, Pete. There's 18 countries from obviously around the world. They're playing in Brisbane, Sydney and, of course, Perth at RAC. There's $15 million US in prize money for this one. And Perth will be playing on the 29th of December through to the 4th of January. We haven't been given the teams just yet, but team tennis is a, is a fantastic thing. There's four men, up to four men and four women per team. Um, they get out there and play a range of matches, singles, doubles, mixed, etc. And um, even I've heard from time to time the tennis players get involved with a little bit of 
competitive sledging, so it's a little bit different <laughs> to what you see at Wimbledon and the Aussie Open and so forth, mate. Yeah, no, looking forward to that. Uh, it's always great. It's a great venue, RAC Arena, when it comes to tennis, and we saw it firsthand, particularly with the Hopman Cup. Now, the Perth Glory are in hiatus, as a lot of the soccer competitions will happen around the world because the World Cup gets underway in a few hours or a few days' time. And then the Glory, when they do return to the park, return to Macedonia Park, I know, on the 10th of December. But we've also got an A-League women's match before that just to see what the new venue is going to be like. Yeah, look, we've been working really hard with Perth Glory and also Macedonia Park. There's still a little bit of work to do. But a truckload of work has been done on stands going in, uh, lighting, the new pitch or upgrading the pitch, corporate amenities. So we're hoping it's going to be an absolutely wonderful atmosphere. And um, Glory haven't had the strongest start to the season, but we think a really good home crowd might bring some wins home. And, and, and as we love all our teams to get out there and make the finals, and if they do... They'll be back at their home ground of HBF Park that's been upgraded for the Women's World Cup. Yeah, I went past there the other day. There's a bit of activity, let me tell you, at HBF Park. Uh, the Perth Lynx, uh, they're back in action. They play at the Bendat Basketball Centre. They're at Perry Lakes. Uh, they haven't had the best of start. Let's hope they can get some wins at home. Yeah, look, currently sitting seventh. Um, but let's go back to last year. Runners-up last year, Pete. So we're hoping that they're going to have a very strong finish in the home games when we look at it. 12th and 16th November, 2nd, 8th and 30th of December. And we all know what a home team advantage can do, especially when you have the crowd behind you. Mm. And, and Pete, finally, Perth Motorplex, always a, a buzz of activity when the weather starts to warm up. There's always plenty of activity at the Motorplex. What's happening during the month of November there? Yeah, two big events, Pete. Uh, Friday the 11th and Saturday the 12th, we've got the 48th Golden State Championship. It's going to feature the Top Fuel Australian Championship. It's the fastest cars literally on the planet, competing alongside with the best teams from across Australia and all go to the points for Australian number one status and they've got the very sought-after gold Christmas tree trophy. Um, <laughs> in addition to that, the 19th of November, it's the 41st edition of the King of Wings. And that's 40 gruelling laps, pit stops. Let's see who the best in the state is. Yeah, the King of Wings has been going on for years and years. You're saying it's the 40th anniversary of it, is it? 41st. 41st anniversary. Wow. Good on you, Pete. Well, thanks for joining us on the program. And we look forward to your company again next month as we look at what's happening at venues right around Perth. We'll take a break. Come back with more in a moment. Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car. They made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. And Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, great to have your company. Just updating sport for tyre power. Buy three and get one free and selected Falcon all-terrain tyres at your local tyre power. Uh, former FIFA president Seb Blatter says the decision to award the 2022 World Cup finals to Qatar was a mistake. And Socceroos legend Mark Schwarzer has slammed Mitch Langerak's controversial admission from Australia's World Cup squad. And some really sad news here. Uh, we spoke to her here on the Ladbrokes Lounge a few weeks ago. Commonwealth Games netball gold medalist uh, Gretel Buetta has opened up on her miscarriage just uh, four weeks after announcing she and husband Nico were expecting their second child. Of course, show your support for Maccabi Day by purchasing a pair of silly socks from Maccas for only $5. 
Of course, the money raised will go towards Ronald McDonald House Charities as they continue to help seriously ill or injured children and their families. And don't forget to get behind the Perth Wildcats this season as well. If you want a ticket, head to tickettech.com.au now. That's been Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. I'll be back again at the same time tomorrow, 1 o'clock. But coming up next is the run home with Hayes and Mudo, followed by the first of the World T20 World Cup semifinals from 4 o'clock here on SEN. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.